Welcome to the Get Families Talking podcast with Hafsher, your host. Join us as we introduce various guests with exciting discussions to stimulate different generations of families into conversation. When we start, families listen. When the listening stops, that's when families get talking. Assalamu alaikum listeners, it's Hafsha here on Get Families Talking. I hope you've had yourselves a good week. I hope you're managing to get yourselves into some sort of a routine now, um, especially with COVID. So without further ado, I'm going to make a start on our show because we have managed to track down and pin down a very exciting guest who's been able to join us today on Get Families Talking. And I am delighted to welcome our guest who is Councillor Wasim Zafar from Birmingham City Council. And Wasim, Councillor Wasim will be talking to us about all things to do with clean air zones, about transport. Now that after COVID, some of the shops and some of the city centres are starting to open up. So what is happening? How are we going to get there? How are we going to keep our families safe with all the shops opening up now? How are we going to do this social distancing in some of these shops? So I'm hoping Wasim will be able to advise us. Wasim will be able to tell us a little bit more about what is going on in our wonderful city of Birmingham. So I'm going to welcome Wasim. Wasim, salam alaikum and welcome to our show. Walaikum salam, Hafsha, and thank you for inviting me uh, onto your show and give me the, giving me the opportunity to talk to your audience. It's really, really important that we have you on the show, and I have to admit, I'm really, really grateful for you to join us and joining us really on this. And I think, you know, families are worried out there, aren't they? Families are very worried about travelling into the city. Families are thinking, actually, I need to go in and pick stuff up. But how do I do it? How do I do it with, you know, travelling? How do I do it with getting around the city as well? So thank you for joining us in this. Now, Wasim, I don't know if you've ever managed to catch the show on your way home. Perhaps you have. Uh, so I'm a bus user and uh, I, I try to use the, the car, uh, or I used to try to use the car uh, that we've got in the household less frequently. But I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm a huge fan of Unity FM. Uh, I'm a huge fan of your show. I, I know of the work that you also do with the community too uh, and I think you play a hugely valuable role. I've I've been on a number of Unity FM programs in the past. It's my debut uh, on your show and I'm very grateful that you've you've allowed me onto your show but um, uh, so, so I'm grateful. Thank you. So you may not have heard of Amsty. Now Amsty is an old computer who lives in a very local library to us and I'm afraid every show and it doesn't matter who our guest is we have to start the show off with a Amsty story. So I've introduced you to Amsty so please sit back for two minutes and enjoy our story. Listeners our story today is called Amsty finds himself in the cloud. Amsty wasn't feeling too well. In fact, he had been a little under the weather for a few days. Nothing quite like a flu, but sort of like a little bug. In fact, even Kerry, the librarian, had noticed. The customers had noticed. Oh, please don't book me on to Amsty. He just takes an age to start up and load up the apps at the moment. I just don't have the time or the patience today. Amsty had even heard someone saying, it's time old Amsty was retired off. All the other computers were busy. 
Mr. Mac, Miss Leno, and all the new laptops that the library had purchased. Today, Amsterdam just needed a snooze, just a short sleep, and he would soon be feeling better. Sleep soon took over Amsty. His screen went blank and the background noise went quiet. Just a tiny little light on the monitor showed. Soon Amsty was away somewhere in a cloud. In the cloud storage, he could see all his old files. There were lots of photographs of Amsty as a child, photos of him in a factory being built, the CPU being installed, all the old Google Docs and lots of scanned documents. Amsty even saw memories of his online battle with the Mr. Lone Shark. Amsty was getting restless. He stirred just as Kerry came over with a computer engineer. He's not been the same since he won his battle with the online loan shark. I think he's got a virus. Maybe something got through our firewall. Can you please just check him over? The engineer sat down and she stirred Amsty awake by shaking the mouse a little. Soon she was installing this and that. Then she rebooted him. Soon Amsty was feeling so much better. I think you'll find that sorted old Amsty out. Don't think any malware will get through to him now. Plenty of years left in him yet. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed that story. Did you enjoy that, Wasim? Absolutely. That was uh, very interesting. Thank you. And I bet you've had moments where you've had to sort of go into that cloud as well and look for documents and reboot the computer and the laptop because I tell you what, everybody's been getting digital at the moment, haven't they? It is. We've just, you know, we're constantly either zoomed in and out of meetings or teamed in and out of meetings or Skyped in and out of meetings. Um, it's, it's my eighth meet, uh, uh, remote meeting of the day. So for some people, they're busier than they were when we were working as per normal before COVID. Eighth meeting. Gosh, that's a lot of meetings, isn't it? It's a good job you're not writing the minutes for those meetings. <laughs> yeah, thank God for that. Yeah. Now, without further ado, um, Councillor Wasim, you may not know, but our show, Get Families Talking, is all about raising aspiration. And as much as I want to sort of get in and find out more about what's happening in the city, I, I was doing a little bit of research on you and I thought, do you know what, you have got such an aspirational story. And the most aspirational bit is really that you're a born and bred Brummie, aren't you? But of course, you're an MBE as well. And I would like you to share a little bit, of, please, about your story, because, of course, our show goes out of Birmingham as well. And whereas a lot of local Brummies may know of you, obviously, people outside of Birmingham may or may not. So please tell our listeners a little bit about who is Wasim Zuffer? What made you wake up one morning and think, Do you know what, I'm going to change my bit of Birmingham by becoming a politician? Tell, tell us a bit about that, please. Wow, how long have you got? <laughs> oh, well, you're going to have to make it brief because you said there's a villa match on. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, I'm born in Lazelles, uh, the Lazelles neighbourhood of Birmingham. Um, my, my parents, my, my father came to this country from the Mirpur district of Kashmir in the late 60s for a better future for him and his family, joined his elder brothers here. 
my mum joined in the late 70s i'm the oldest sibling came along in uh, 1981 uh, got four younger sisters uh, two beautiful kids happily married um, you know really blessed with with my life my my father unfortunately passed away in 2009 and um, you know there were some real strong values instilled by my uh, by my parents into me which is about giving back um, to the community that's given me so much so Birmingham is a fascinating place it's my city it's my home it's given me and my family so much and you know we want to give back um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a counsellor in Lazelle I've been a counsellor here since 2011 um, I'm a I was born at Dudley Road Hospital. I now serve as a non-exec director, helping run that hospital and Sandwell Hospital. Uh, I went to Heathfield Primary School. I'm a school governor there. Um, whole secondary school, I get up involved heavily in many projects with the school. Joseph Chamberlain Sixth Form College, I've done stuff there recently with the students. Uh, Aston University, where I read uh, logistics and learned all about transport. Uh, so last year we hosted the Birmingham Transport Summit at Aston University, uh, mm. where me and my assistant director were both one students learning about transport at that university. So I'm very much a, a local boy uh, giving back to uh, the institutions and the community that's given me, uh, given me a lot. Um, I, I got, whilst I was at university, I became frustrated with the lack of services for young people. And often politicians wearing dark suits would uh, turn up to meetings not engage with young people, not understand young people and claim to represent young people. Uh, and that frustration led to anger, uh, a positive anger, positive energy. And I started to get involved in community work and I started as a youth worker working in Lazelles and Handsworth. Uh, and then one thing led to another and quickly I realized that politics and politicians have a huge say in how things are run um, and got more active in the Labour Party. I'd been a member of the party for some time. My family's a Labour supporting family. Uh, and got started get, getting active, working with the MP, working with councillors. And then 2011, uh, I became the candidate. And really have a look back up, you know, it's a privilege to be a councillor in my neighbourhood. It's a privilege to be the cabinet member for transport and environment at Birmingham City Council. Uh, and, and I treat every day as my last day because you never know anything about politics. And I just want to help, uh, you know, play a very small role in making this city, making my neighbourhood a better place. So that's kind of, the journey, I, I'm a huge Villa fan. I, I love Aston Villa, it's part of my identity. Uh, my, my identity is really important to me. And I'm, I'm somebody who's got multiple identities. So I'm, I'm a Villa fan, I'm a Lazales boy, I'm a Birmingham boy, I'm English, I'm British, I'm a proud Muslim. Uh, I'm equally proud of my family's origin uh, and my identity, you know, my, my, my family's identity is really important to me. So the, the Mirpur region, the, a village in Dadial called Thob, is where my family's from. and I. I've got a lot of family and friends there and, and, and I think that's understanding your multiple and complex identities I think is really important and I think that's been part of my success and part of who I am. And that's, you know, it's really, really heartening to hear because, you know, you've throughout that you've just talked about your strong values and it's those values that have formed you and the importance of your parents as well in helping you to form those values. And it's really lovely to hear that. I have to ask you about your MBA. Now, how did that come about? And, you know, please, I, I really hope that you're going to say that, yes, your parents saw you receiving that. It must have been such a proud moment for them. Yeah, my, my dad had passed away in 2009 and the MBE came along in 2012 in May 2012 I remember receiving the letter from 
10 Downing Street. Um, I, and to, to be honest, it took me a while to track down the people that were behind this. It was, uh, I know everyone says it, but genuinely I, I, I had to do a bit of private detective work to find out who was behind this. And I'm very grateful for, uh, for, 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 for Peter Latchford, um, who was somebody who worked in the area who nominated me for services to the community. And for me, it was, it wasn't, it's not my MBE. It belongs to, to my family, it belongs to my neighborhood, it belongs to my friends. Uh, I'm actually really privileged to have a lot of good friends uh, and friends who are not just there at the good times, friends who are there to help you during challenging times. Uh, and that, again, I, I feel hugely privileged to, to, to have that. And, you know, they're there for me through thick and thin. And sometimes when, Politics is hugely challenging. There's ups and downs. There's all sorts going on. And sometimes you just need um, to switch off. And it's hard for someone like me to switch off because my life, you know, being living here in Lazelles and everything in Lazelles focuses around, you know, you know my role as a counsellor has, um, has a huge impact in, in, the, in the way I, I live my life here in Lazelles. But sometimes just being able to switch off and just enjoy quality time with my family, um, with my friends it's really helpful and i'll tell you the biggest change that ever happened to me was fatherhood uh mm. you can never understand that you can't i can't explain it but um when mikhail came along uh a week before my 2015 election it's a perfect timing um it was just just quite the feeling was quite surreal it was just quite incredible and uh so that, that you know my two boys have really had a a, a huge role to play in uh, sort of uh, slowing me down and being able to concentrate more on family life and, and getting the balance right. Sometimes we struggle yeah. with the work-life balance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're quite right there because I think they, you know, it's about you now trying to change the world and make it better for them. And that's what this is all about it because now politics has become very, very personal to you. And it's not just about your children. It's about everyone's children out there you know, I can, that really comes across that that's what you're desperately trying to do. And certainly in your role as transport and environment um, cabinet member, that's clear. That's exactly what you're trying to do there. Now, please tell us a little bit, um, because I know COVID-19 has obviously meant that everything has been on lockdown. Um, and so many things have been put onto the back burner. But it doesn't mean to say that things have actually stopped because people have carried on working on lots of different things and initiatives that they were working on prior to lockdown happening. Now, one of the things that you were working on was obviously this um, clean air zone. And we were hearing a lot about the clean air zone prior to lockdown. And then of course, lockdown took over and everything, you know, the whole dialogue changed. But please, before you start telling us about what happens now with the clean air zone, some of our listeners may not know what the clean air zone is. What is this, please? Break it down um, for us. So in, um, in December 2018, 2017, uh, the government sent Birmingham City Council a ministerial direction. Uh, and what they basically said in that ministerial direction, which is a very, very strong notification from government to any authority, uh, that the levels of air pollution in Birmingham were illegal in particular around nitrogen dioxide. And we had to get them within legal limits as soon as possible. Um, and legal limits, uh, according to the World Health Organization, and which has been adopted by the government, is 
um, 40 milligrams per cubic meter of nitrogen dioxide. Now, that I don't classify that as safe. I classify it as legal. I don't classify that as safe. I think to create safe levels of air quality in every neighborhood, you need to go beyond that. So we set about, um, as a council, looking at how we can to get, get, get legal, levels or legal limits. And we know that um, motor vehicles play, uh, have the biggest contribution towards nitrogen dioxide. So one of the options given to us uh, was to introduce a clean air zone from the government. And there's different classifications of clean air zone. Uh, and a clean air zone basically is an area of the city where you introduce um, a charging mechanism for vehicles which are non-compliant. Uh, non-compliant means basically vehicles which are polluting the air. And the government's classification for those vehicles are diesel vehicles which are uh, less than Euro 6 diesel, which is mainly vehicles after 2016, and petrol vehicles, which have a lesser problem, but old petrol vehicles, which are pre-2006 and some pre-2007, they are seen as uh, non-compliant. And the reason I'm saying some and not all, because some manufacturers decided to produce Euro 4 petrols and Euro 6 diesels earlier than others. So that's why we've got a mechanism to, to check this out. Um, so we looked at where the main polluting uh, illegal levels were, and it came out they were predominantly around the city centre because that's the busiest area. So we did some modelling on the government wanted us to get to legal levels as soon as possible. So we looked at what is um, what would happen if we did nothing. And it clearly showed that uh, over the years, uh, pollution, the pollution problem would increase. So we couldn't do that. We looked at a clean air zone C, which is charging every single non-compliant vehicle other than a private car. And again, that showed that we were not getting to the compliant levels. We looked at D, which was charging every single non-compliant vehicle. Including, that includes private vehicles. And that again showed we got nearly compliant, but not entirely compliant. And there was nothing else. So to, to be honest, the strongest clean air zone that we can introduce was still not going to do the job. So on top of that, we've got to make some other modifications. So introduce hydrogen buses, um, include some highway changes, really promote walking and cycling on top of the clean air zone. And people will say, this is just, a lot of people say, this is a gimmick for the council to charge. I, I don't want to charge anybody. I want every single vehicle to be compliant. Um, you know, I want safe areas in every single neighborhood. I want legal levels in every single neighborhood. Um, and ultimately, it, people also say, what are the benefits? The real benefits are the improvements in health. Over a thousand people a year die prematurely in Birmingham because of poor levels of air quality. That's not me a saying thousand. Oh, over a thousand, yes. Oh. Right. So this is what professionals say. Doctors tell me they can, there's no illness, no serious illness, where air quality or poor air quality doesn't have an impact. We've seen some reports during COVID in Europe where they're saying that in the areas with the highest levels of nitrogen dioxide, there's, there's, they've also seen the higher levels of COVID-related illnesses and deaths. So there's, there's real issues here that we, we need to look at. And that is why, you know, it's a public health crisis, ultimately, is the levels of air quality. Uh, and, I, and I often say this, Birmingham's air quality problem is the worst outside London. Um, I know other cities have got problems, but no one's got the problem we've got. 
Right, so it's really, really important that we do improve this now for absolutely every single resident in Birmingham. Um, but clearly, I mean, I suppose really, I mean, lockdown has had lots and lots of negative um, impacts, but presumably with lockdown, please say that, yes, Birmingham's air quality has improved, hasn't it? Yes, it has. We've seen a reduction uh, of traffic because of the lockdown. Uh, and during March and April, we uh, we saw a 30, between March and April, we saw a 36% reduction in nitrogen dioxide, which was fantastic. And people were uh, using social media uh, to convey how they're feeling, uh, the, the sight of the sky and just the feeling when they're out walking and cycling. It's slightly, it's different. It's, it feels a lot, the air feels a lot cleaner. You know, I, I saw pictures of pre-COVID and po uh, during COVID lockdown, uh, pictures of the sky people were taking from their apartments. You could clearly notice a difference. So uh, th th there is no two ways about that. J just on the clean air zone, um, I think it's important to say it's a very challenging policy. And that's why I've gone to government and negotiated a uh, a substantial package of mitigations and exemptions uh, to support our communities through this. And I remember meeting the then DEFRA Secretary, uh, Michael Gogg, uh, in uh, June 2018. And I said to Ms. Mr. Gogg, you know, we will, we will do this because it's the right thing to do. You know, cleaning up the air is a, you know, having the right to, to, to breathe clean air is a, is a human right. We all want it. Absolutely. But I need the money to help the businesses I need the money to help the taxi community. I need the money to help those employed and earning less than 30,000 in the CAS area. Uh, I need the, the, the agreement to have exemptions to, to allow the poorer communities there's some extra time to, 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 to become yeah. compliant. So we've got a whole series of mitigations and exemptions which communities can benefit from and the information is available on our website. Fantastic. And that's the Birmingham City Council website, isn't it? That, that is, uh, and yeah. there's also a, a Brum Breeds website. So if you search for Brum Breeds uh, or Birmingham Clean Air Zone, uh, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll get all the information. Safsha here on Get Families Talking, and delighted to say that we have got Councillor Wasim Zafar on the show today talking to us about clean air zones, talking to us about Birmingham environment and Birmingham transport. And now that lockdown is easing up. More importantly, how are we all going to get back into the shops and what are we going to be doing? So I'm going to be passing over to Councillor Wasim to actually share a few more insights about all of this with us. Now, before we move on, just before the break, we were talking about the clean air zone um, that will actually with lockdown, it was, all went into lockdown, including the clean air zone. But we were hearing about how actually Birmingham's air quality had really, really improved as a result of lockdown. So I just want to go into that that's a little bit more really with you. Um, so please tell us, why is air quality so important for you? Why is it important for our children? So um, d doctors tell me every day uh, about the importance of cleaning up the air. Um, and one of the campaigns I'm leading leading and working on is to ensure that every single school in our city is a safe haven. Um, you know, and I sometimes um, walk my son to school. Uh, and when we're walking up the Heathfield Road in Lazelles, which is quite a busy road, I sometimes wonder, am I, am I a good father? Am I doing justice to my son by walking him down this road? 
with all these diesel vehicles uh, so close to us. So cleaning up the air and ensuring that we've got uh, schools where kids can grow up healthy. We know in Birmingham, uh, children lose six months of their life growing up in our city because of poor air quality. And that is a, a sad fact. Um, I'll tell you another thing that really got me um, motivated to do this um, and to take this forward. I, I talked about the loss of my father. My father was a taxi driver in Birmingham, died at 54. It was absolutely fine. Um, and just one day suddenly passed away. And research uh, from a university in Scotland shows that taxi drivers and bus drivers are three times more likely to be affected by poor air levels of air quality because they're behind the, the, the steering wheel of, a, uh, of their vehicle. And I know Birmingham's taxi drivers are very concerned about the cleaners, almost some of them certainly are. And, and my message to them is, you know, I sometimes wonder the, the impact that poor air quality in Birmingham had on my father's very early demise. And this is ultimately about their health too. It's ultimately about ensuring that they are, um, that, you know, that, that they're living a healthy life. Uh, and I know air quality on its own is not going to, you know, make people fit and healthy and reverse health inequalities, but it will start the fight back in our communities. And, um, and, and you know, when I look at some of the levels of health inequality here in Lazelles, you know, we've got the, we've got the mo lowest male life expectancy in our city. And if you travel three, four miles down to Sutton Coalfield, you gain 10 years of life. That's yeah. a scandal. That is a real scandal. So this is all scandal. about... Yeah, this is all about us understanding um, how we can improve our health. You know, we are, our inner cities in Birmingham, which, you know, which have large BAME communities, are dominated by car. And why is it? Why are households, why are Asian households with three or four cars per household? What's going on? Why aren't we looking at uh, more sustainable modes of transport? Why don't we walk more? Why don't we cycle more? Why don't we use public transport? I know there's an issue at the moment with COVID-19 and public transport but why don't we take up more public transport um and i think these are real issues which uh, we need to understand this isn't about just someone going for a cycle or going for a walk this is about your health this is about your lifestyle and the way you live and you know i i really want to drive this cultural change and you know i've got communities in mosley and king's Heath and bourneville and billsley who are demanding more cycle lanes they're demanding that we you know create road blockages for cars so people can walk in a more effective way. And, and we will do that. But I'm also saying to, to, to communities, that, you know, the Muslim community, which is very popular in East Birmingham and in the, the north of Birmingham, northwest of Birmingham, we have to change the way we live. Otherwise, um, if you ever look at some of the issues, you know, I'm a type two diabetic. Uh, I'm obese. I, and I, I, you know, I, I look at some of the challenges, the personal health challenges I've got. You know, I'm no different to others. And we really need to ensure that all of us together, including me, we're doing a lot more to protect ourselves and protect our health. Um, because the, otherwise, these inequalities that exist within our communities, they won't go away and we'll mm. continue to see many people suffering. On that point, I mean, do you find that now with lockdown as well, you've been able to take better care of your health? Have you been able to get in more frequent walks as well with your young children? So definitely walking, especially when the weather's uh, well, the, the weather's not been the best this week, but generally the weather's been quite good. Uh, the first couple of weeks of lockdown were very difficult. Uh, it was difficult to get used to this new way of working. But when the weather improved and those that got gardens, they were able to 
use the outdoor space, it, it was a lot more effective. I tell you, the, the other thing that's really helped is I've I've never had this much homemade food. I've never <laughs> yeah. had this. Uh, you know, I'm somebody who's always on the run and picking up a burger here or a baguette there or panini You're there. You're not supposed to say that. <laughs> yeah, I know. But but during lockdown, during lockdown, I'll be honest with you, the takeaways have gone. Uh, I love my mum's cooking. Uh, my wife's a good cook. Um, so, you know, I've really enjoyed uh, having, I'm a bad cook myself. I'm going to put my hands up. I'm, I'm very bad in the kitchen and I'm often not allowed into the kitchen because I'm not, um, it's not where, um, where, I'm, where I'm that good. But, you know, I've really enjoyed um, whole, a lot more homemade food and we've enjoyed vegetables a lot more. So I think there has, and I think there's been a real, and just, you know, we, we never thought that we would live through this pandemic. You know, if somebody said to me, six months ago uh in 2020 there's going to be a lockdown because yeah. there's going to be a virus that goes right across the world and i'll, I'll just laugh and i'm sure many people would have laughed at that yeah. but the reality is we've become more conscious about our health uh, about our well-being uh, and rightly so so i think this has been a um you know out of everything you know out of all negatives there are some positives and i think the one positive is we've become more uh, understanding uh, and we've all done a lot of self-reflection on our own uh, health and well-being journeys. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right there and I think also lockdown has given people a real chance to find some hidden talents as well and be able to sort of ease the pressure on families as well. Um, I know certainly in my household um, my son has suddenly realized a real passion for cooking as well and he has as he says his two little sous chefs who are his sisters helping him and that's been really really nice because it you know I, I totally agree I think everybody should be able to cook everybody should you know it's a life school we should all be doing this um, and as you say eating more vegetables as well so that's been really really lovely now um Wasim, i want to know a little bit more now obviously lockdown is easing up slowly slowly the shops have started to open up um but you know going to the city center today i went in i went into grand central today and i have to admit you know not a lot of it was open at all but it was really lovely because as soon as i walked into grand central i was met by somebody there who you know he was um simply helping out there he was one of their uh, members of staff um and the member of staff handed me a face mask and i thought that is so good isn't it now of course in birmingham of course it says you know if you're traveling nationally on a train you've got to be wearing a face mask but is this the case in birmingham on the buses what's happening there so um, uh, face coverings on uh, public transport across the country now is essential unless um, you're a child uh, and you've got breathing difficulties. Uh, th- so there's an exemption uh, there. Um, and, and obviously we ask people to respect social distancing on, on our public transport. And the official government line is um, avoid public transport wherever possible. And we absolutely endorse that. But there are people who haven't got access to private vehicles. There are people who haven't got, um, you can't walk and cycle. So, and if to go into work or to get essential items, they they need to use public transport. So we encourage people to, <coughs> excuse me, to give up um, their, their seat on the, the bus or the train if they can utilize other forms of transport during this short-term pandemic. Um, and as you said, non-essential retail shops opened on Monday. 
uh, we did a lot of work with the local business improvement districts in the city center, particularly uh, the retail business improvement district, to get some uh, signage on the grounds um, to help people navigate through the city center, and particularly the busy bits of the city center, <coughs> um, in a safe way or also adhering to, to social distancing. Uh, and that seems to have gone down really, really well. We've also brought in some extra measures to um, some of the local high streets to increase the pavements, uh, in particular the busy areas, um, and take mm. all these space on the parking spaces away to, 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 to allow that to happen. And we've got a number of other measures coming in. We've got seven pop-up cycle lanes uh, coming up by the end of July, which will be um, approximately 15 kilometers of extra segregated cycling. Got local low traffic neighborhoods. Uh, we've got um, uh, ride and uh, pedal and park and pedal. Uh, always get park and pedal. I like pedal. that. So, yeah, so uh, you, you come along, you park your car, um, and you can ride your bike from there on in. So, this is similar to park and ride, uh, yeah. it's park and pedal. So, there's, there's a number of measures coming in and um, you know, we're not saying everything's going to work, but in these in these times, we'll, we'll we'll try everything possible, and we want we want to help a business recover, uh, and we'll do everything possible to to assist businesses recover in, in our city. Uh, and but we ultimately want it to be a low carbon, uh, uh, clean air recovery, and wherever possible, we want to discourage private car use unless it's absolutely necessary, uh, because we can't we can't go back to the old levels of air quality and the old levels of congestion in our city. One of the other things that we're looking to trial out is, um, so the hospitality sector, our, our coffee shops and restaurants uh, and others have been hit the hardest. Mm. Uh, and when they reopen in the next few weeks, there will still be the requirement of two meter social distancing. And, and that's going to take away, you know, for restaurants and coffee shops, more than half their space indoors. So what we want to do is work with them um, uh, and, and I'm really, I've got a, a reason I'm saying this. I want your audience and people who own shops and coffee shops and restaurants to to come out and you know seek this office is is to enable them to take up um, highway space outside their shop. So if there's parking spaces outside their shop, mm. which can be converted into parklets, which we often see in some of the uh, Middle East countries where the weather's good and hopefully over the next few months the weather will stay good, where they can have some seating outside. So if they're reducing seating inside their restaurants and coffee shops, maybe if they can put a few tables outside, um, uh, you know, working with us, we, we can make that happen uh, as a short-term measure. That will hopefully enable them to reopen their businesses at a similar level to the capacity they had previously whilst adhering to the social distancing and really support their recovery uh, because there is a lot of employment that's up, uh, up for grabs. There's a, a lot of businesses, uh, if they, they don't recover, they could end up um, really suffering, further suffering because yeah. they've yeah. already suffered. So we want to help wherever possible. Do you know, that's a really, really lovely idea, that is, because I'm sure lots of families out there will be feeling the same as me at the moment, which is, you know, you keep seeing, I mean, today I went out to the shops and all I could see was um, suitcases on sale. And I just thought, oh, I just want to go on holiday, but I don't want to go on holiday, if that makes sense. I don't really want to go, but I want to have that feeling of going on holiday. And certainly when you sit outside a coffee shop or a restaurant, you certainly get that feeling, don't you, that you are on holiday. So maybe that's what we need to be doing is encouraging our local coffee shops 
to take up this offer, as Councillor Wasima said here, take up the offer and perhaps put a few tables and chairs outside so we can all feel that we are on holiday. And inshallah, as you say, we'll have the sunshine in a few days as well. So it will really feel like that, won't it? Yeah, just to say, after, I don't want anyone to literally go and put tables and chairs outside. There's, a, yeah. process, there's a process to follow, but if they, if they contact me, if they email me, um, I'm sure I can... Uh, uh, put them in the right direction. It's not a lengthy process. It's, this is an emergency measure, and we'll, we'll 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 facilitate it very very quickly. Fantastic, listeners. If you've just joined the show today, it's Hafsha here on Get Families Talking, um, and we are delighted to be saying that we're speaking with Councillor Wasim Zafar today, who is a cabinet member for Transport and Environment at Birmingham City Council, and he's sharing some of his insights uh, with us around COVID, around um, the clean air zone, and opening up business and social distancing in the city as well. Um, so we've been enjoying our lovely chat here and listeners if you've just joined me and you're thinking oh I wish I'd heard that a little bit earlier I've missed it now please don't worry because we are going to be turning this into a podcast and that will be available shortly so you can tune in there and listen to that now Councillor Wasim talk to us please about some of this easing of lockdown we've seen it happening some of the non-essential retail shops are starting to open up but what about moving around the city? Because that's my concern now. We're going to be moving around. So you've mentioned there that some of the pavements are being widened to allow people to move more easily. Um, and hopefully at some stage as well, we'll all be able to get more onto the buses and that can help us as well with trying to, you know, clean up the air zones as well. But how, what about, you know, social distancing affecting businesses? Do you think that some of this, and do you think businesses will be able to survive some of this? So, yes is the answer, um, but it's not going to be easy. Uh, we, we, we've got to, whatever possible, help each other. The, the authorities have to help businesses, um, and, and we have, you know, we're really, you know, some of the support we've given, we've given over £100 million out to businesses in the city um, to, to support them through these, uh, through these struggles. Uh, but it's you know money is not everything because we some sectors are really struggling, uh, and I fear that there'll be some shops and some businesses that will never reopen again. Yeah. Um, so you know it's going to be a challenging time moving forward. But I think if we support each other, um, if we um, you know we we adhere to the social distancing guidelines, the biggest fear I've got is a second spike in uh, in Birmingham, meaning a local lockdown. Uh, that would, you know, really cripple us further. Uh, so, in order to avoid that, we all have to, you know, social distance. We've got to wash our hands. We've got to wear face coverings when we're on public transport, um, and really look out for each other. Um, you know, uh, the vast majority of people in our great city, of Birmingham, have really adhered to this, and we've been through some major challenges. It's not been easy uh, to be in lockdown during. Uh, Ramadan, uh, celebrating Eid in lockdown. It's been yeah. hugely challenging and the sacrifices have been huge. Uh, we've not been allowed into our mosques for a very long time. Um, it's been a new way of life. So it, it's been a, a huge challenge and a, and a massive, massive sacrifice. But this is a test from Allah SWT and we've got to fight it together. Uh, we've lost a lot of good people um, in, in our city. Uh, across the country, we've got a lot of people who still are unwell. Yeah. Uh, 
but inshallah we will come through this together uh, and and as a council we want to work with everybody possible to help them through these challenging times um, so if there's a business out there that's thinking uh, uh, you know that I, I, I really need this extra bit of support I've got you know this idea of a parklet you know somebody came along uh, with this idea to me and I said let's do it this will really help the hospitality sector in particular mm. there's something else that we can help you with uh, please let us know supporting you and protecting your business in these difficult times is a key priority for us as a council you know we want to help with that recovery um, so please do get in contact don't sit there um, you know don't sit there uh, on your own thinking you are on your own uh, without help we are here uh, and there's many other agencies the government want to help the combined authority wants to help the local authority wants to help the chamber of commerce wants to help uh, and wherever possible if we don't have the answer we may know somebody else who has the answer so let's work together um traveling across the city it's you know we're, we're on public transport is a bit of a challenge we're encouraging people to walk and cycle in particular those shorter journeys as much as possible and ultimately if you can work from home um you know we're we're communicating mm. and usually we're on radio but we're not actually sat yeah. in a radio station we're, we're sat uh using uh, technology to have this conversation and you know as i said earlier i've had eight remote meetings today so i can carry out a lot of my business um remotely and, and i've done it uh obviously i also need to as a local councillor when things start to settle be more active uh have more face-to-face -face engagement in my neighborhood because not everybody has access to telephones and internet but yeah. we, we, wherever possible that we can go without um without uh, physical interaction let's do that yeah absolutely and i think also i mean i one of the questions i want to ask you is obviously you know the buses have started back now very very slowly there seems to be some services running but it, do you have a date when all this is going to get back to normal when we can quite easily you know catch the bus to go into the city and is it going to be easier for families you know can we see something like that happening for families because at the moment it can be a little bit pricey, can't it, for families to be travelling in on buses? So um, we, we want to, we're working very closely with the bus industry to ensure that, we, you know, at the end of the pandemic, we still have a bus industry because they will uh, suffer like a number of other sectors substantially too. Um, I've been working extremely hard with partners to ensure that we get the right levels of bus reliability across our city and region. Uh, so people can travel on buses and travel faster and more reliably on buses than they can in, in private car. Uh, pricing is, is a bit of an issue. There are special offers available for, for families. But I think the key thing that people tell me in, in, in big surveys that we've carried out, they're willing to pay for, for a bus service, but they're not willing to pay for a bus service that's stuck in traffic. So mm. it's how we can get more bus lanes and more bus gates uh, available so that people can benefit from, uh, from those extra facilities. Um, in the short term, the, the guidelines are very clear. Avoid public transport if you can. In the medium to long term, when we're at this pandemic, uh, public transport is going to be very, very essential. It's going to be part of our recovery. It's going to be a very, very important aspect of, of the city, region and country. Uh, mass transit systems play a huge role in reducing gas emissions uh, in, in, the, in terms of fighting climate change within, within, uh, within the country. So. We, we know that the role that they play. So we'll be you know, concentrating on how we can support buses, 
trains and trams um, across the across the city. Okay, and certainly in the short term, would it be fair to say that a lot of the car parks in the city have opened up now to help people to get back into those shops where they can? Yeah, so um, uh, we we took the decision to close the car parks and um, uh, the the enforcement on uh, uh, parking uh, charges in the in the city um, very very early on. Uh, and we suspended them for quite some time. We've restarted them from this Monday, uh, with the exception of there is no charging for um, for NHS and care workers as per the government guidelines. Um, so you know, parking charges now do now are applicable. But I know that we wanted to we want to continue to support the NHS. They are, you know, the, the, their bravery, um, their you know the way they've gone about their leadership in this very difficult time. Yeah, um, you know, it's not just free car parking we need to offer them. We, so we seriously need to look at how much we pay our public sector workers, in particular those that work yeah. in the NHS, and they need to pay a proper pay rise because uh, some of them are really, really struggling. So uh, we've got a lot to thank of our NHS workers, and um, we will do everything possible to thank them and reward them for their efforts. Absolutely. I have to admit, it's been such a delight to talk to you today. It really has been. And I think certainly for me as well, you've alleviated a lot of the concerns that I had. Um, and certainly, I think hopefully for a lot of the families out there as well who are tuned in and listening in. Um, and it sounds like, you know, I mean, to have somebody who's actually saying to us, if you've got a good idea, please don't sit on it, come and share it with us. So, and I think that's what we need to take away from this today. And that is, you know, if you own a restaurant, if you own a, a cafe out there and you're thinking, actually, this is a really good idea that this might help us, this might help the industry to come out of lockdown. And you're thinking, why on earth hasn't somebody thought of this? Why don't they do this? Well, you know, Councillor Wasim has opened it up today and said, you know what, if you've got a good idea, then please come along, come and talk to me, drop drop him an email, listeners. And it could be, you know, it could be the children who have got a good idea. You know, well, come up with those ideas, send them me, send an email to Councillor Wasim. You'll be able to contact him. Um, certainly when I Googled him, it was very, very easy to contact him, but he's certainly available on the birmingham.gov.uk email address. So do drop him an email. And as he said, if he doesn't know the answer to something, he will certainly try and push you into that right direction so we can get some answers. Councillor Wasim, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you today and to share some of your insights. Um, now, I know you are rushing off because you desperately want to watch a villa game. Um, so listeners, I can tell you he's sat here, you know, obviously I think he's actually looking at his clock now thinking when is this lady going to shut up so I can go? <laughs> no, I've, I've, really, I've really enjoyed the interaction. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so um, much. And well, thank you for inviting me. No, we've enjoyed having you on the show. Um, any parting words from you? Any parting words from you before we end the show? So all I'm going to say in conclusion is just to reinforce if people have ideas, if people need support, contact us. Uh, as a politician, I'm, I'm not an expert in everything in life and I learn from others and I'm always willing to learn uh, of other people. If you've got a particular idea you think we need to look at, uh, drop me an email, wasim.zuffer at birmingham.gov.uk. Uh, I'll be more than happy to hear from you. And in particular, young people, you, you know, you're the future of the city. A lot of the decisions we make are about 
creating a better future for you. So uh, please do engage with us. Please do come and contact us. We're always willing to listen to you uh, and engage with you. And even though we may not agree with you, uh, it's about having a change of uh, uh, views, some interaction uh, that will hopefully help each other. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you for sharing your insights on Get Families Talking. Listeners, I hope you have yourselves a wonderful week and inshallah, inshallah, we'll touch base again next week on Get Families Talking. Asalaamu Alaikum, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Get Families Talking podcast. Please make sure you do subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. We value your opinions, so please feel free to contact us with your feedback or any other inquiries. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Get Families Talking podcast.